0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: There's a lot of confusion out there about the subject of the Holy Spirit. I mean, many, many churches wouldn't even dare to teach it because there's just a lot of confusion. People have a lot of different ideas about the person, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think largely the confusion has everything to do with our understanding of the Holy Spirit comes out of our experience versus our understanding of the Holy Spirit coming out of this book. I'll say that again in case you were taking a nap. Our understanding of the Holy Spirit oftentimes comes out of our experiences. What we've experienced in the past, that's how we understand the work of the Holy Spirit versus what the Bible says about how the Holy Spirit moves and operates in the church today. There are many people, many churches. This room is filled with people from many different backgrounds, from many different spiritual religious backgrounds, that have been taught many different things about the Holy Spirit. And so some churches will teach you that, or maybe you are here and you have been taught, that the Holy Spirit is no longer imparting gifts to the church today. And the gifts have ceased in the apostolic age, they say. Some say. So no gifts at all. And then maybe you're from a background like mine, that I come from, where They taught, it's all about the gifts. I mean, it was like, church on Sunday morning was like, you know, the Blues Brothers. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Aretha Franklin in the back singing, you know, and people flipping and doing the wave. you know. And it was like all gifts. And so what I think we got to have as Christians is we need to be people who are balanced. I think the Bible is balanced. And I think we need to have a balanced understanding of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian and in the church. We need a balance. You know, it was Greg Laurie who said that too much of the word, just the word. You've been to those churches too. is all word, no spirit. Too much of the word and you'll dry up. Too much of the spirit and you'll blow up. A balance of both and you'll grow up. Amen. And we need to have a balance. And so that's why I wanted to teach this topical series on the Holy Spirit is to simply bring balance and a biblical understanding to the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, if you've been here, you know, we 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 have been out of the book. We've been out of off topic for several weeks now. And uh, this, this morning today, I intended to bring, bring, a, bring, you, know, a, a, bring you up to date and g- rehearse and go over all that we have studied since we began this teaching, but, but we don't have time to do that this morning, and so you'll just have to get the tape. And tape sales are down anyway, so you just pick up the tape. And <laughs> Just a joke. It's just a joke. We don't have time to cover it all, but the last time we were together, if you were with us, you know that we dealt with, we were in the gifts of the Spirit, talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we dealt with the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, and we talked a little bit about the gift of faith. Well, this morning, this afternoon, actually, I'm going to share with you just a few more things about the gift of faith, and then we'll deal with the gift of healing. So, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm sure you do, turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. and We've been in this text and we will be for the next couple of weeks right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to pick up in verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7. If you're there, say a hearty amen. amen. Notice what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Underline that in your Bible. For the profit of all. Underline that. You see, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each. Now, if you're a Christian, you're an each. It's given to each Christian. For the profit of others, of, for all, of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts, notice plural, of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in verse 11, and the same spirit works all things distributing to each one individually as he wills. In other words, if you are a Christian, you have a gift. God has given gifts to the church. And if you're a Christian, God has given you a gift. And God will gift you, some people have more than one gift. Some people have several gifts, but no matter whether you have one gift or you have several gifts, it is the spirit of God that is the one who distributes the gifts. He's the one who gives the gifts and we shouldn't be people who want someone else's gift. How often do we do that? We see that person operating their gift and we go, I want that gift give me that gift, God. I want that gift. You know what? When you say to God, I want that gift, you know what you're saying? God, I'm not thankful for the gift you've given me. When you look at another person and you think, oh, they do their gift so well and they look so great doing it and blah, 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 and I want to have that gift. You're saying, God, I don't like what you're doing. You see, God is sovereign. The word sovereign means he does whatever he wants. And God, by the Spirit, distributes the gifts as he chooses. And see, God knows the gift that is best for you. God knows. You don't know. You look at a gift that you think you want and you say, oh, I want that gift. And God says, no, I have this gift for you because I want to use you in this way. And then what happens is if you begin to just do what it is God has gifted you to do, then you will find out that you're most happiest because God gave you the gift that he wanted you to have. Although you didn't know that you really wanted it and that you really be blessed in it, God knew because God is God. So he gave you this gift that he wanted you to have and you find yourself operating in that gift. And then you find yourself blessed in that which God has already given you. Got that? Get the tape. You see? So he's the one giving the gifts. And for us to want to have somebody else's gift, that's wrong. That's sin. That's sin. God gives a gift. And why? Notice in verse 7 again. Look at it again. Notice in verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of others. Yeah. See, God's giving you your gift that you might be a blessing to others. Not for your own glory. Oh, how often do we like people to see us flowing in our gift. Oh, if you only get a view of me, you are going to be blessed. Watch me flow in my gift. You see? No, the gifts are not given so that people can look at you and think, oh, you're so awesome. You got this gift and look at you flow. And oh, oh, my goodness. You know, listen. That's not the reason for the gift. The reason for the gifting is to you might be a blessing is for the profit of all or for the profit of other people. Your gift is given to you that you might build up and edify other people. Keep your finger here in 1 Corinthians and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Keep your finger there now because we're going to come back in just a second. But turn to Ephesians chapter 4. You got to see this. You got to see this. Ephesians chapter 4. You see, the gifts that God gives us is for the building up and the edifying and the strengthening of other people. It's not for our own glory. It's not for our own getting attention, but that we might bless other people. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. If you've gone to Philippians, you've gone too far. Back up. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. Saints, if you're there, say amen. And Now notice in verse 11. And he himself, that would be Christ, gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. Different giftings. Now, you find all the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. If you're a note taker, you know I encourage you to be one. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and Romans chapter 12. You find all the gifts that are given To the church. Here, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some people are pastors, some people are teachers, some people are pastor teachers. Some people have more than one gift. But notice why God gives these gifts it's in verse 12 For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's why He gives the gifts. That other people would be blessed, that other people would be equipped, that other people would be strengthened for other people to be edified. Notice until we all come together in verse 13 to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, that's the word mature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, God has given us gifts that we might be a blessing to others. And when you use your gift to bless other people, listen, when, listen, when you use your gift to bless other people, the church is blessed. The church is healthy. The church grows to this holy habitation, Made up of living stones. That's you. And that's me. We're living stones, not dead ones. Living stones. And as we use our gifts together, we are fitly joined together to make up a holy habitation for God to dwell in our midst. So you use your gift to bless other people. And other people use their gift to bless you. So here's how it works. When you are not using the gift that God has given you, you're ripping me off. And I don't like to be ripped off. You don't want none of this. You're ripping me off. Because you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be. Is that a word? You're supposed to be using your gift to bless me. So bless me. And I should be using my gift to bless you. And I bless you. I want to bless you. I was reading this story this week and listen to this. The story of a man who spoke with the Lord about heaven and hell. And the Lord said to the man, come and I will show you hell. Well, they entered into a room where a group of people sat around a huge pot of stew. Everyone was famished and desperate and starving. Each held a spoon that reached the pot, but each spoon had a handle so much longer than their arm that it could not be used to get the stew into their own mouths. And the suffering was terrible. And the Lord said, Come now, and I'll show you what heaven is like. And so they entered another room, identical to the first, the pot of stew, the group of people, the same long handled spoons. But there everyone was happy and well nourished. I don't understand, said the man, Why are they happy here and miserable in the other room? And everything was the same. And the Lord smiled and said, ah. He said, it's simple. Here they have learned to feed each other. So when you take your spoon, your gift, and you use it to feed another, you're blessed. They are blessed because they will take their spoon their gift and feed you and you will be blessed. This is how the church works. This is how the gifts work. The gifts are a manifestation of the spirit to each one for the profit of all. We're to use our gifts to bless other people. And so Paul says the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, remember I told you a couple of weeks ago that the manifestation of the Spirit, this word manifestation, write this down if you're taking notes. The word manifestation means a shining forth or expression. It means to make visible. A shining forth or expression means to make visible. The gifts, in other words, are a shining forth of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. They are a tangible way for the Lord to be seen and exalted. And when the gifts are exercised properly, they are a manifestation of the Spirit and people can see the Lord through them. A manifestation of the Spirit. And because they're a manifestation, God will allow them to come upon you as he sees the need in the moment. And so we talked about The gift of faith. Last time we were together, talked about the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge and the gift of faith. We talked about this gift of faith just a bit. This is supernatural faith. Supernatural faith. This is a faith that enables you to step out and do things that seem crazy to other people. Amen. This is the kind of faith that other people, they look at you and they go, why are you doing that? It was 1992-ish. I'm getting out of the military. I've been in for 13 years. And God showed me that it's time to go. It's 13 years now. Most people don't get out of the military at 13 years. If you get to 13 years, you might as well stay the extra seven so you can get the retirement and get the medical benefits and whatever else they're going to give you. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're 13 years in, and, and so I go to my, my, my commanding officer, and I say, you know, no, I, I got to get out of the military. They had a special program, and I applied for it, and somehow God worked it out, and I was able to get out. So I go to him, I say, hey, I'm ready to get out, and, and I'm going to get out. And he says, really? What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. He said, you don't know. Then why are you getting out? Oh, because oh, God wants me to. What, Finch, have you been snacking too much on the drugs? I'm like, no. I mean, really? God really wants me to get out. And and where where are you going to go? I don't know. Well, what are you going to do after? Where are you going to work? I don't know. How are you going to feed your family? I don't know. How are you going to live? I don't know. Is there anything you do know? I don't know. I mean... I didn't know, but I did know that God wanted me to get out. The supernatural faith is a faith that enables you to do things that seem absolutely impossible. Some people call it special faith. This kind of faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and accepts the impossible. This kind of faith is the key that opens the door to the work of God in our lives and in the world. In short, this is the kind of faith that you know, that you know, that you know. That you know, that you know, that you know. That you know, that you know, that you know. That God is going to do a work. And you must obey. This is the kind of faith when God shows you to do something that makes no sense to other people. But it makes all the sense in the world to you. You say, God, I got to do it. This is the kind of faith that if you don't do it, now you're in sin. Because you're not obeying God. Now, Ronnie, are you talking about everybody should pack up their forerunner and go to North Carolina and start a church? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, in any area of your life, if God is showing you that you should do something, then saints, listen, you'll be blessed as you obey God. Abandon your intellect, if you will, as God is showing you to do something and just go do it. Step out in faith and go do it and trust God and watch God work in your life in such a powerful way that you'll be so blown away. You'll be like, man, I can't believe what God has done. How can we be used of God if we're not willing to walk in faith and to trust God? And we want to be blessed. We want to do great things for God and impact the world and change the world. But we're not willing to leave our neighborhood. We're not willing to just do something crazy. It's just nuts. you know, what, Rodney, what you're thinking is nuts. You're going to go to North Carolina and do what? I don't know. Um, you're going to get a job? I think so. Where are you going to live? I don't know. You're going to start a church? Yeah. When are you going to start a church? I don't know. I don't know, but all I do know is that God is telling me I must do this, and I have to do it. And then what happens is when you take that step of faith and you do what God has called you to do, God is showing you to do, you watch how God will then begin to open up doors. See, we want the path all carved out for us, and then we walk. And we go, oh, I'm such a man or woman of faith. I am a man of faith. No, you're not. That's not faith. When God shows you when the whole path is clear for you and you, all you got to do is just walk, down, that's not faith. Faith is trusting that which is unseen. Taking a step of faith is simply obeying God, even when you don't understand. It's special faith. It's supernatural faith Paul's talking about. Barclay talking about supernatural faith in verse of of this chapter. He says this, and I love this comment. Barclay says, Paul's talking about more than what we might call ordinary faith. It's the faith which really produces results. It is not just the intellectual conviction that a thing is true. It is the passionate belief in a thing which makes a man spend all that he is and all that he has on it. It is the faith which steals, S-T-E-E-L-S, shores up, steals the will and nerves the sinew of a man into action. It is the faith which turns the vision into deed. Supernatural faith. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Bible talks about different levels of faith. If you're a note taker, the Bible talks about different levels of faith. First of all, there's natural faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. And that's natural faith. Everybody has faith. People say, well, I just don't have faith. Yes, you do. Everyone has faith. I was on a plane Friday on my way home from a pastor's conference. And I'll tell you, my faith is never more active than when I board that plane. I don't know about you, but when I sit down, that plane begins to take off. I I, I start speaking in tongues. Tongues. I mean, it's it's unreal. I get a prayer life. I mean, I can pray for hours. It's unreal how long I can pray when I'm on a flight. But it takes faith to get on that flight. You're putting faith in the pilot. Do you know he's not using drugs? Do you know he's not drunk? Flying you around the country? No, you don't. So it takes faith. Everyone has natural faith. And then the Bible talks about saving faith. Saving faith. Well, that's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You see, this faith allows you to get saved. So there's natural faith and there's saving faith. And then I failed to tell you a couple of weeks ago, there's one other faith I should bring to your attention. It's called demon faith. Demon faith? What's that, Rodney? Demon faith is to know And believe the right things, but fail to act on it. That's demonic faith. To know and believe the right things, but you fail to act on it. Well, James chapter 2 verse 19 says it like this. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, demons have faith. Demons know that Jesus is God. They know that Jesus actually died and physically rose from the dead. They know that Jesus died for the sins of the world, and they are smarter than people because they tremble. Demons are smart. They know that Jesus is coming soon. They know that the end of all things is near, and they tremble. People, we don't. Demon faith is to know and to believe the right things, but to fail to act on it. And many people know and believe the right things. Many people were brought up in church all their lives. They know and they believe the right things, but they fail to act on it. And so the Bible says that's demon faith. Demons have it all figured out. Sad, but Christians don't. Sad, even many pastors don't. But demons have it all figured out. To know and to believe the right things, but to act, but to fail to act on them is demonic faith. Now, the Bible's talking about here in our text, the gift of faith, supernatural or spiritual faith. Now, this whole subject of faith, as you well know, of course, we all know this whole subject of faith in the church today is hot topic. Have you noticed? Faith is a hot topic. As a matter of fact, there are many who have built the whole movement out of this whole concept of faith. They call it the faith movement. And many in that circle of the faith movement would tell you or try to teach you that you need to have great faith.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.